Good morning. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the prophet Hosea. And we're reading Hosea chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, for our time of exhortation and confession. Hosea 14, verses 1 through 4. Listen now to God's word. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Assyria shall not save us, we will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands, you are our gods. For in you the fatherless find mercy. I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. This is the word of God. Well, in our time of confession, we have worked our way through the chapter 14 of Hosea. Uh, It is the capstone of the book of Hosea. It really summarizes bringing together all the essential matters of the book of Hosea, which is a call to repentance for the people of God. It's They are commanded here to bring their corporate confession, to offer up the sacrifice of their lips to the Lord, and the Lord promises to receive back his people. And so we want to look at this chapter seeking to learn what it has for us as the people of God that we might learn how to repent day by day as we also forsake our own sins. And the focus of our exhortation today is verse 3. You'll notice verse 3 is a part of their confession. Israel is saying, as they come back to the Lord, they say, Assyria is not going to save us anymore, which they had trusted in Assyria as their uh, northern ally, their hope for their defense. Uh, And then also it says, we're not going to ride on horses, we're not going to trust in these things to deliver us. And they also say, we are not going to trust anymore in the work of our own hands, the idols that they had constructed to worship. So how would we summarize what verse 3 is as part of their confession? Well, simply put, it is a renunciation of idolatry. The people of God are saying, we're done with these idols. We return to you, Lord, as our only hope, our deliverance, and we give you wholehearted worship and allegiance. Of course, the essence of idolatry is to remove God from the place of our wholehearted allegiance, worship, and trust, and to put any created thing in his place. That's what they had done with Assyria. They thought Assyria is strong. They're our northern neighbor here. Uh, This is, of course, the northern kingdom that's repenting in this passage that's called to repent. And they had trusted in this big empire to help them. And they had forgotten the God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They forgot the almighty God who poured out his ten plagues upon the great empire Egypt and made a total desolation of that empire and brought them out with a strong hand and a mighty arm. And so they say, we're not going to trust in these nations anymore. We repent of trusting in man. As they say that we're not going to trust in our horses, they're they're not going to trust in the arm of the flesh. They're not going to trust in any created thing to deliver them. No matter how many horses they had, it was not what they needed for protection and for deliverance. 
And so for us, brothers and sisters, I want to bring this to application that if there is anything that we are tempted to put our trust in for our deliverance, for our satisfaction, rather than the living God, we are to repent and renounce it as an idol and to forsake it. How foolish it was for Israel to make their own gods and then worship them. We can, of course, see the insanity of this as they fashion bronze and silver and gold or wood, and they would do all the work, imagine all the work it would take, hours or days or weeks, and then you, you set before yourself the God who will deliver you, which you made. Very strange, isn't it? And of course, we know that the, the religious language of idolatry is not so common. We know that it is not popular, at least generally speaking in American culture, not very popular to set up physical idols uh, to which people bow down. But the idols of comfort and pleasure and personal affluence and self-fulfillment and self-definition, all of these things are major idols of American culture that need to be toppled. We are to be unsparing in our uh, destruction of idols in our lives. That is what we are called to by this confession of Hosea 14. And I want to ask you the question, what in your life is way too big a deal to you right now? What is it that gets in the way of you loving God wholeheartedly and loving others in your life? What is a barrier to that call to faithfulness? Well, in answering that question, you might identify an idol or two that needs to be toppled. Brad Bigney wrote a book called Gospel Treason, which is a book on heart idolatries uh, as a focus of the book. And it's a very helpful book, and he, he has an inventory of heart idols, pe- things that people wrap their, themselves around and say, I will not be happy until I have these things in this way and in my time. I'm just going to read this list to you and see if anything hits home. And as I read this, notice that not everything on this list is automatically a bad or evil thing. Some things, of course, are here are, are good in their own proper place as we glorify God in them. But listen to some of these. Uh, performance for others, seeking the approval of others. Performance for self, approving of yourself and your own performance. Performance of others for you, how people serve you, can be an idol. Good health, love of money, success, fairness, a hurt-free and pain-free life, physical appearance, being admired, being self-sufficient and independent, any material thing, car, house, jewelry, anything else. Athletic abilities and achievements, hobbies, success, position, power, worldly pleasures, being in control, that one hurts, being in control, is that a struggle for you? Meeting goals and achievements, be goal setters, good thing, right, in its proper place, a child or children, Getting married, having your needs met, needs put in quotes, 
And notice, of course, in this list, some of these things may have their proper place in the Christian life. We may glorify God even with some of these desires if they do not become inordinate desires. But, of course, some of them in and of themselves are not to be commended in any way. Uh, but my, my desire in giving you this list is that we would think through those things that we need to say, I will not worship you anymore. I will not serve you anymore. I will worship and serve the living and the true God alone. I renounce this idol to the degree that any of us elevate our own time, our own interests, our own wants and desires, it gets in the way of the Christian life. Remember that in that list, no matter which of the things you would identify as struggles for you, the biggest idol is always self. And that is why the call to Christian discipleship that our Lord Jesus gave us is deny yourself. That's like the first step. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Hence, we kill the idol of self and all of its manifestations every single day. And so this is the call for us, brothers and sisters, as we confess our sins, is to say, I will not have anything more to do with you. Uh, Idols that are getting in the way of worshiping and serving the living and true God. And there is a promise here in verse 4, and this promise is important as we come to the time of confession. It says this in verse 4. For in you, the fatherless find mercy. What a beautiful statement. Why is it saying the fatherless? Well, we could say Israel and Judah, they had God as their father. That was the covenant promise, of course. They were adopted as his children. But any time we run after idols, it is as if we are attempting to orphan ourselves from God. We're saying, you're not my sufficient heavenly father that will provide for all my needs. I got to go get something else. Now granted, thanks be to God if we are united to Christ and adopted. We don't lose our adoption. That's not what I'm describing here. But what I am saying is that as people wander and wander uh, after these idols, they effectively orphan themselves. They become the fatherless. Wandering in barren wastelands looking for satisfaction and provision when their heavenly father had everything they needed. And so as we come back to the Lord, as we confess our sins, we know that we find mercy in our Heavenly Father because He has promised us mercy through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so let us do that now, brothers and sisters. Let us return to the Lord and confess our sins. And we have a time now to join in a corporate confession of sin, which will be followed by a time of silent confession. And so to do that, let us kneel before our God. We will humble ourselves in his presence, and we will read together the prayer of confession found in our bulletin. Let us confess now together. Heavenly Father, we admit that you have called us to trust you, believe you, and rely on you. And yet we do not always exercise faith. We sinfully prefer to live by earthly sense rather than by biblical faith. Help us to live as your pilgrim people, not for this world, nor for the things of this world, but for the glory of the next world. Forgive us all our sins, cleanse us by the blood of Christ, and fill us with the spirit of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we take a moment to confess our own sins before the Lord.